Thank you for joining me on Geared for Growth. This week we're chatting with Luke Murdoch from First National Real Estate, Newcastle City. Luke is a real estate agent and project marketing specialist. So we have a chat to Luke about the construction boom in the Newcastle CBD and he has some tips and tricks for investors to make sure that they're purchasing well off the plan. Without further ado, here is Luke. Luke Murdoch, thanks for joining us. No problems, thanks for having me in, Mike. So Luke, um, to, to get a bit of a, a background into you, who, who are you and what do you do? Uh, yeah, so I work with First National Newcastle City in the junction and um, basically in there I do predominantly project marketing uh, for the company as well as a little bit of the normal residential selling in the business. Uh, I've been around for nearly 12 years and uh, yeah, that's just, I guess, a little bit yeah. Excellent. We will dive into that for sure. Cool. What uh, what posters did you have on the bedroom wall as a youngster? You're about to embarrass yourself, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, uh, I, I think there was probably Guns N' Roses awesome. and um, maybe I remember an Aerosmith one. Aerosmith. Yeah. It's yeah. oh, a little bit uh, a little bit earlier vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've now got them on record with that or listen at home and it's good to see vinyl making a bit of a comeback. Awesome. <laughs> And um, so how did you get started in, in property? What, what's your background? How did you land where you are now? Yeah, um, so I guess going back to, to where I, I, I kicked off in, in real estate, uh, when my wife and I bought our first property, we were actually pregnant with our first child. Um, That's terrible timing. Yeah. You're not meant to do it that way. No, I know. <laughs> and I think that was probably the thing. Uh, we, we both thought, well, now we better buy a property. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what we did, basically, and um, yeah, that, that kind of kicked off uh, uh, you know my interest in, in real estate at that point. Um, and then you know after uh, we bought it, moved in, um, had our son, and about six months after that, uh, I was working at a security company at the time, doing business to business sales. At that point, I was like, you know, I think I might give this real estate yep. business a go. And just doing what I knew at the time, I just went door to door looking for, for real estate work, basically going to real estate offices uh, looking for work. That's, and that's an old school approach, it but <laughs> it worked. <laughs> and it worked, and it worked, yeah, yeah, it did. So, yeah, I, I kicked off, um, yeah, working in an agency in Hamilton. Um, you know, although I've been around for nearly 12 years, I'm a bit of a, bit of a stayer. I've only been in three companies um, during that period of time, so I was yeah, right. there for about uh three years and uh then i moved into the the next company and and that's where i sort of started doing some project marketing work um and yeah that's kind of a little bit of the background awesome so so newcastle has sort of come a long way in terms of property you know not just gentrification but just the attitude to property and certainly with development i know you were pretty pivotal in setting up the first sort of projects office in the Newcastle CBD, which we're used to sort of seeing in the Gold Coast, where you can go in and look at developments on display, but Newcastle didn't really have that, did it? Yeah, no, no, you're right. It was something that was um, fairly new, and I guess it was quite timely when we um, embarked on sort of setting up a, a project-specific office in, in Newcastle, um, and yeah, it was it was designed as an opportunity where developers didn't necessarily have to. Um, have the budget to, to fill out a, a display suite yep. um, but also you know with the way the market was for Newcastle and buying off the plan it was we've sort of been a little bit up and down with it the last 
you know, over the past few years, we've had some good years of off the plan sales. Yep. But prior to that, um, it was, you know, fairly irregular at best to say, I guess, the amount of off the plan selling that was happening. Yep. And so the timing of setting up that office and, and Newcastle starting to pick up some momentum in development really quite worked well. Yeah. So with your traditional sort of display suite like that and, and like we're sort of used to seeing in places like the Gold Coast, is it is it a tool for getting development listings or is it more about moving the stock or is it a mixture of both? It, it's, it's, it's really about both, yeah. I, I think that it serves a good purpose for, for both uh, the, the developer uh, they have an opportunity to showcase their, their product publicly, again, on a, on, a, on a specific sort of a budget. Yeah. And also, um, you know, for the, the purchasing public to sort of get a bit of social proof and sort of, you know, be able to put projects side by side, so to speak. Yeah. So. Yeah, and no, I definitely want to come back to the development side of things in Newcastle, but the property market in, in general... Normally, there's a little bit of a, of a delay when, when we release these podcasts, but I think, um, you know, whether it comes out next week or in four weeks, um, we're probably looking at the bottom of, uh, well, the, the top of the market. I mean, Heron Todd White have been calling that for probably 10 months, which I guess shows yeah. the, the strength that's been going pretty hard. What are you sort of seeing at the moment and, and, and how has the market changed in the last sort of 12 to 18 months? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the past... 12 to 18 months has seen some good continued strong growth in Newcastle. I guess if you go back, wind back the clock to say 2013, 2014 uh, is when really things started to to really kick along and, and I think one of the big catalysts in Newcastle was the announcement of the uh, university coming into the CBD. Yeah. So I think there's there's a lot to, of, of credit there needs to go towards, a, I guess, that, that building and that, that um, decision to come into the, into the city. Uh, because then all it became quite viable for developers to start, you know, uh, the, the, the private sector to start producing apartments knowing that there's going to be at least a student part of the marketplace coming into the city that they could, yep. they could use. So from, from as early as, yeah, 2013, 2014, we started to see some, some consistent growth. Um, and then, you know, I guess in, in some circumstances you've seen a shift about 30% since, since yep. then in the past two to three years really. So. Yeah. And I guess where is it going is everyone's, you know, the question on, on everybody's lips. Um, and I, I certainly don't see it at um, backing off. You know, I think we, we would see some steady growth from here. I, I'd, I'd be very brave to say it was going to be as, a, as aggressive as what it has been in the past few years. But yeah. um, when you look at the amount of government spending happening in Newcastle at the moment, yeah. I mean, they're, they're not going to be doing that to not see a return on it. And, and you know... When you're looking at the West End transport interchange, yep. university, um, there's a cruise terminal coming in. We got the supercars coming in. Yeah, I mean all these sorts of things. I mean, and, and the supercars will, you know, potentially start to bring a tourism element into Newcastle. So, yep. I think there's just too many things falling into place that it's going to lose, you know, momentum. Even if external factors change like interest rates or, or what yeah. have you, I think we'll still see some ups. I, I really think that's the only thing that's necessarily going to slow it down is is more of the sort of the macro conditions rather than Newcastle itself. Mm-hmm. It seems to be there's there's still a lot of momentum there. Um, you know, obviously Newcastle's seen some great growth from a, a, an affordability point, not being that far from Sydney. Yeah. And, and do you sort of find that, that the Newcastle market sort of 
it, it almost copies what Sydney does, but albeit, you know, maybe six months sort of down the track. So if Sydney's booming, it's a bit of an indication that something's to come for Newcastle. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. In, in, in what I've sort of seen in the past where you've had some steady growth happening in Sydney, it'll, it'll follow suit up, up Newcastle, you know, maybe six or 12 months later or, or, or what have you. But um, I think what's interesting with Newcastle now is where we're definitely on the, the, the map, you know, for you know, a national, more of a national stage, if not international stage now, we're being watched by lots of, of, of different, um, uh, you know, types of buyers. And I, I think, yeah, we're probably been heading, growing as, as quickly as what Sydney has been from what I've seen. Maybe there's more capital in Sydney, so there's probably been a bit more sure. growth from that perspective. But, I, but I, yeah, I certainly think that we've been following that trend. Yep. And... You mentioned that the Newcastle University has, has moved a campus into the city. Did that sort of dictate the apartment stock that came on? Was it all sort of the, the one-bedroom places or was there a bit of a, a mix? Obviously, there's been a boost in apartment construction in, in Newcastle. What what types of apartments are we seeing? Yeah, I guess it was interesting to watch, I guess, from, um, from say, about, you know, prior to the announcement of the university in Newcastle, we were seeing... You know, a building or two each year popping up, and yep. and to make it feasible for developers, they had to be kind of eighty percent full of um, studio one and two bedroom apartments, smaller ones yep. under five hundred thousand dollars, because first homeowners and investors were picking those those yep. up. Um, first homeowners got good grants and no stamp duty and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, the announcement of the university, uh, sort of around that you know twenty thirteen sort of period of time. Um, the buildings that came up, you know, in the, in the sort of following twelve to twenty-four months, did follow that same trend because mm-hmm. of that student element was sort of expected. Plus, when developers were looking at other buildings in town and sort of seeing what was working, it was a, a you know easy to see that that those units under five hundred thousand were shifting well. Yep. The project had worked, and off they'd go and do it. And I'd probably only say in the past eighteen months. Um, yeah, 18 months or so, we're starting to see with, I guess, the continued uh, announcements of new things happening in Newcastle off the back of the uni, the, the, the transport, the cruise terminal. Um, the law courts and all that sort of stuff, yeah. yeah. Better public amenity, bike paths, all these sorts of things. We're now starting to see people um, recognise that the city is somewhere that they would, they would like to um, perhaps downsize and retire to in the future, or if they're a busy family, you know, a lot of people don't have the time, you know, and I don't think specific to Newcastle, but I think a lot of people don't have the time to maintain the maintain a five six hundred square meter block and yeah. the, the big house and and strata living's really started to um, become popular in Newcastle, and so because you've got those buyers that now want to occupy apartments, you're seeing the sizes get bigger, so right. bigger two betters, yep. with two bathrooms, one and two car spaces, and then bigger three bedroom apartments are now. It's now at a place where it's safe. I was recently involved in a building where, you know, um, what would have been a, a kind of a, a reverse sort of a, a scenario where eighty percent of the building was actually bigger two and three bedroom apartments, right? As opposed to the way it was, you know, going back four or five years. Yeah. So they're looking more to sort of the owner occupier, maybe downsizer market rather than the first homeowner and and student accommodation yeah, type. Yeah, setup. that's right. I, I, it depends on, I think, the volume of apartments in the building. Uh, I think, you know, obviously the bigger the number, the, the more, um, obviously, that the developer's got to shift, so there needs to probably be yeah. a good percentage of 
stock in there that they know they're going to be able to sell yeah. um, quickly and sell well to make it all work. Yeah. Um, but it, I guess when developers break it down to a rate per square metre, so to speak, the rates per square metre for your bigger apartments are now getting uh, strong, uh, stronger yeah. than what they were, uh, yeah. that makes it feasible for them to, to put bigger ones in there as well, which is good. Yeah, awesome. And in terms of where we are now, there's there's been a lot of construction underway. It's been um, really interesting to see the sort of the cranes dominating the city skyline. Yeah. Uh, are we at a point where there's uh, an oversupply, or is there still quite a lot of demand for, for for the market? Is it is it soaking up the units that are coming on now? Yeah, look, it it, it really is. I mean, any new projects that come on the market, they they do get absorbed relatively quickly. You know, yeah. you rarely do you see a project. Um, you know, struggling to, to make sales. And, you know, from, from my perspective in project marketing, you know, it's about, um, you know, from a sales perspective, you know, creating a, a good campaign for that project to start the project with some good momentum in sales. Yep. And, you know, to see it all the way through to the point where the developer can get their finance approved to do the project. Yep. Um, and then, generally speaking, at, at um, you know, any, anything at the tail end of the project, there's not as much urgency from the developer's perspective to sell it. Sure. But we're finding they are, you know, moving fairly quickly. So, you know, the, the you know, with all that development, there's a, it's an obvious question to worry about oversupply. But yeah. I think what's paralleled with the uh, development is more announcements as to why people will be coming to the city yep. as well. I mean, the universities put their foot on another piece of land. Right. In, in, hun- in um, Honeysuckle. Right. Know? So that's going to go from 4,000 students that they've got now to 8,000 students. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, so it kind of squashes that fear of oversupply. Yeah, yeah. Now, we were just sort of chatting uh, off air moments ago. I think you might actually be the first uh, real estate agent on the podcast. Um, so I'm going to have to pick on you now, just just for that fact. <laughs> now, real estate agents, um, you know, they're, they're they're a notch above used car salesmen. When, when we get to these trust studies, yes. I think quantity surveyors, you know, maybe a little bit higher. <laughs> so we'll, we'll continue with the trash talk along those lines. Sure. There's real estate agents, and then there's project marketers, right? Yeah. We we hear bad things about project marketers. You know, we, professionals in the property industry, such as myself, will get emails saying. Flick me a client, and they buy a unit, and you get twenty grand back in your pocket. Yeah. What 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 is the state of project marketing in Australia, and what are the sort of are there grubby things that you see in the industry, or is that confined to more the capital cities? I, I want some I want some dirt, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I guess the if from from my perspective, you know the what the story you've just given about the the big referral fees and all those sorts of things you know look I, that's not any business i've personally been been involved with mm-hmm. um although we do cross paths and hear people from from purchases in the market saying that you know they've maybe been uh had units put in front of them in in kind of areas that um you kind of you know a little bit confused as to why you know yeah. their, their financial planners or advisor are suggesting that they find some of these positions so yeah. Um, look, they, those sorts of things um, do happen, and generally, where where I've I've seen that happen in the market, those referral fees generally get put on top of the purchase price. So the yep. the, the purchasing client isn't the person that's uh, you know obviously um, benefiting out of out of that. You True. Know? Yeah. Uh, where you know my awareness of it, um, 
and you might be talking to the wrong agent to get, uh, to get all, all the dirt, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm proud to say. But uh, We might need yeah. to go to Brisbane's DVD. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hot but spot at the you, moment. Yeah, that's right. But you mentioned capital cities, and I guess that's where, you know, the more higher, you know, some of the high net worth in individuals or, or uh, those those sort of planners or firms or whoever that is getting those referral fees will be putting them in stock around Sydney. Yep. Or they'll, they'll come to Newcastle with, um, uh, you know, the... the the planner might come to, to Newcastle with, you know, something to suggest to agents that, you know, yep. we've got buyers, you know, we can take 20% of your stock or, or yep. what have you. So it's not really something I've gotten yeah. involved in. So. No, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I don't have, I have to kick you out. I, I think we've got a no spruker sort of policy. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm interested in your insights from sort of sort of behind the scenes. Hypothetically, let's say someone wants to buy an apartment as an investment. They've heard good things about Newcastle. They don't really know the price of, of units. They don't really know what they should be paying for a one better in the city. Yeah. Um, they're not going to do research in this weird scenario. How, how, do they, how, do, how do they make sure that they're not you know, buying something and settling and then finding out that the market valuation is 50 or 100 grand less than what they pay? What, what's your sort of best advice for a purchaser to making sure that you know they're getting a good good property. Yeah, look, it, it's you know there's there's a number of things I guess to sort of pay attention to, and and look, I, I guess if if the buyers aren't doing the research themselves, I guess um, the you know if you were sitting in front of an agent selling you something, that's where you'd be asking the agent for some research and some evidence around it. So that yeah. would be my the first thing. You know, if I just found myself in a, a real estate agent's office in a city I didn't know yeah. what was going on. I'd be saying, what have you got, and how can you? Um, what are the comparable sure. evidence? Not on uh, the comparable evidence on what else is selling off the plan at the moment. If yep. we're in that space, I'd be saying, what has settled on completed apartments recently that suggests yep. that these might be relatively values, uh, relative values. Finding out what rental returns might yep. be, what sort of a yield you'd be expecting to to, to be getting out of it. Yeah. Um, and what about? the sort of resale so is is that a good thing to look at a property that sold off the plan and then it sold to a sort of a subsequent purchaser maybe a building that's only sort of three or four years is that a good guide to sort of saying well something's been bought from you know a flashy project marketing office yeah. and then resold where that's you know a little bit more maybe of an open market is that a good sort of way to to get an idea of comparables as well yeah so when you say a resell like a resell after the building's completed yeah and yeah. yeah look that, that'll definitely give you some good and it, it's not uncommon that you would see um people would buy off the plan and though those purchases who, who get in nice and early We'll sometimes see a little bit of an uplift in in um, growth yep. over the, the construction phase of the project, and then when the project is finished, it's not uncommon to see some units come on the market because those people that did speculate early off the plan will resell them. So yep. that's a very good uh, plan as well. Number one, just to sort of see, you know, has there been some growth and yep. and you know what what is um, you know. The way that the market is responding to it, it's also good a good idea to keep on idea that the rental, you know, when those investment properties come on the market, uh, when they've purchased them off the plan, what the rental figures are, yeah. are, are getting for it there. So that's that's a good way. Of, and that yield should match other apartments, even established buildings in the same sort of price range. Yeah, you think? yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, you can always uh, apply a bit of a premium to something that's that's brand brand new. Obviously, yeah. as long as the, if the market, let's just say that the market hasn't changed. Um, you know, a, a great deal since it was purchased, but uh, you'd expect a brand new apartment to 
fetch more than yep. an existing apartment, but you, you just need to find out, um, you know, when some of these buildings were, you know, your comparable properties when they were actually built and constructed, yep. who built them, you know, and, and finding out some of that detail as well. Yep. Yeah. Now, we, we know that if you're buying uh, a new Mercedes, for example, you're getting some serious depreciation in the first year and some clever buggers can come along after the, the lawyers and plastic surgeons have, have, yeah. have had their fun and, and buy that, you know, secondhand asset. Is there anything, is there any sort of parallel with, with real estate there? You know, obviously it's not going to be the same extent, but do you advocate buying new property rather than use? What's your sort of personal view as what makes a better investment? Yeah, look, there's there's a lot of things, I guess, to, to weigh up. And, and for me, whenever I'm meeting with, with purchases and we're talking about buying off the plan or one of the first things I probably want to work out is is you know is off the plan really what you're looking for at the moment is that yeah. is that really the best suited um, product for you you know so I'll often ask you particularly if they're investing um, you know what why have you chosen to buy off the plan or what's made you look at off the plan yeah um, and you know is this uh, are you looking for a quick return or are you looking for uh, something to buy and hold or you know what is it that that sort of fits your profile as, as an, in, an investor yeah um, because obviously with with depreciation and and you know if you're going to buy and, and hold something as you mentioned before you know the, the first seven years is when you're going to get the most out of your you know um, yeah of your your apartment uh, and and maybe it's just a taxing the, the, the purchase paying too much, much yeah. tax when you get a taxable income and as long as it Serves well yeah, to do that, which is not yeah. which we've talked about on the podcast before. It's not a great strategy, but people do go to their account and say, "I need to buy a property because I'm paying too much tax." We shouldn't and, advocate that, but there will be people that come to you and say, "Like I want off the plan because of the tax benefits." Yeah, and that sort of goes back to what you were mentioning before about you know the the, the guys that are taking the, the big referral fees or what have you. Yeah, um, those are perhaps the tops of the buyers that will will end up in one of those yeah. products where you know they're just asking their financial, you know, accounts or plans or what have you. You know, you know, I've got to buy an investment property, and they say, well, have you thought of this one? Or yeah, this this type of thing. So that that kind of happens there. So yeah, it's probably you've got to look at other things in the market that that would make it a good investment. You know, how close it is to uh, amenity, and um, you know, I, I guess. If you're buying off the plan, you've got to look at um, you know who's building it, who's who the architect is, and what yep. the time frame is, all those sorts of things. Yep. And you know, buying something existing isn't to be discounted either. If it's you know, uh, obviously in, in certain areas, there's only so much land. Like in Newcastle, for example, there's only so much yep. land around the harbour and the beach, and then buildings have got to come west from there. Yep. Obviously, so. Buying something existing in a in a better position potentially, yeah. you know, there's a bit to be said for capital growth on that as opposed to something brand new, you know, a few few blocks back or yeah. you know. I know you're um, you're a real estate, but of course, focus more on the project marketing stuff. Um, so, focusing on the sort of off the plan stuff, you you mentioned before that there's an opportunity for people to perhaps purchase a property and see capital gain during the construction phase. And then sell and you know lock in that that gain i guess yeah um it sounds like a you know risky approach you've got to time the market very well you know yeah. you've got it's a bit out of your hands with the construction phase there might be sort of delays or variations or, or problems during construction yeah. how, how often do you see that and and is that a is that a strategy for investors can you time that well and make money during the construction phase uh, yeah, look, I've, I've seen it and, and, and sort of 
personally, yeah, had had clients doing it, and it, it does happen. Uh, yeah, look, I guess the the it's it's always, and I think with any investment, there always just needs to be a, a plan B. Yeah. You know? So if that is your, your your plan A, that look, I want to get in as early as I can because. Generally speaking, too, as sales campaigns continue throughout the sale of a project, uh, prices may shift up during the, the yep. campaign. Once the demand and there's some momentum in the building, then yep. you'll quite often see that happen. So, the you know the first few that get in yep. um, can quite often have a good opportunity where, uh, as sales uh, prices move up during yep. the sales campaign, by the time it's finished, yep. you know you, you're definitely in front. It, it's all about timing, 100%. And, yep. and and so. If you get in early and then with a, the market continues to grow during that construction time frame, then then yeah, you, you can on sell it before you before the completion even yep. takes place, or you can choose to sell it as many immediately as it, it happens. I guess there's also you know there's only two units left sort of effect. Um, we know that you know scarcity sort of is a is a motivator for for price uh, increases so yeah. if if you do do your research well and you're happy to be one of the first people that buy in that you you're saying that you can potentially buy under market and get a good deal and 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 that's a good strategy yeah it can be it can be yeah and and as I said look there's and I certainly make it clear with, with purchases that I don't have a crystal ball I don't know where we'll be in sure and all we can look at is in the review mirror and just say if things continue to go the way they're going, well, yep. we can, you know, you plan some growth in here. Yeah. But watch, what do you say? if you really want, if that's the intention of you buying to then sell it before settlement, the plan B is uh, can you settle on it and hold it and rent it and, and you know, is, is that something you can do? Let's just say the market doesn't do anything in the yep. next 12 months or yep. even retracts a little bit, you know, which isn't what we're expecting here. But yep. um, if, is that the case? Are you in a position to hold it and, yeah. yeah. And let's talk about buying off the plan. I mean, there'll be certainly some investors listening or, or, or would-be investors that have never bought off the plan. How, how does it work? How, how do you buy something that doesn't yet exist? <laughs> yeah, no, fair question, fair question. So, um, yeah, look, generally speaking, the, the way the, the process works is um, once the, the developers obviously got the, the, the site, got the, the marketing plans, um, got the contracts for sale for all of them. The site might, may or may not be DA approved for the project, yep. which is something to always ask. Um, and that would be part of the contract to say, you know, this is this is not DA approved, that's it's subject right. to, to that going through. That's right. If, con- if a project isn't DA approved, it will always state in the contract that, uh, or yep. it should state in the contract to say, <laughs> that, so. that, that it is subject to the approval of the project yep. actually uh, being approved by council. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we, we do see developers on a current affair, but um, <laughs> to, to my knowledge, that hasn't <laughs> happened in Newcastle. No, no, look, it, it hasn't. And it's... it's um, it's it's one of those things where you know with the market being as buoyant as it has in Newcastle, developers have been able to um, if they can present a good concept and and certainly reassure the market they're serious about what they're doing, they've been able to launch a project, make sales conditional yep. to DA approval, um, because of the I- I- excitement around the um, yeah I guess the, the marketplace which we have seen at, at the moment. Yep. Um, but you know getting back to it too, there, there's there's we always explain to a developer there's a bit of risk there that the buyer's taking as well. They take themselves out of the market for a period of time. True. And it They've got the opportunity out. costs, so that's sort of got to be priced into what they're paying, that's right. I guess. Yeah, so you'll, you'll generally have to pre- see a, a fairly sharp price list in, in, in order for people to go, wow, well, 
even if it doesn't come off, um, or you know, if it doesn't come off, we've we've given ourselves a good opportunity to make some capital gain on this project potentially, yeah. based on what they're seeing in in other sales yeah. in the area that are happening at the time. So yeah, generally speaking, you'd like to see that the project DA approved. The marketing would then then commence basically. Uh, in, in terms of the off the plan purchasing process, once you make your selection of your apartment, generally speaking, you would pay a, a holding deposit on uh, to secure it for perhaps a period of time. Yep. Um, might be five days or ten days, and then at the end of that cooling off period, essentially, you're expected to pay your ten percent deposit. Yep. Sign your contract uh, with your solicitor and have it exchanged during that that time frame. Yep. Uh, you don't have to pay the balance of the purchase until it's completed at, at the very end, yep. basically. Yep. Now, the, an, another thing to, to point out, um, you, can, you can't get formal finance approval for purchasing something off the plan because it doesn't exist yet. So if you're yep. borrowing money for the purchase, uh, the bank won't formally approve you when you buy it off the plan. They will f- value the property and give you the formal approval at completion time. So you're taking a bit of a risk that they find that the value is less than what you're paying yep. or um, you're not approved for finance because yes. your situation has, has changed. changed? Yeah, yeah. And that's generally what I say to buyers when I'm, I'm meeting with them. I'll say, um, you know, do you expect your financial circumstances to be just as good as, you know, if you're pre-approved here now at this yep. price, do you expect your financial circumstances to be just as good, if not better, you yep. know, come 18 months time when this is finished? Yeah. Um, and and if, if there's real uncertainty around that for people, then this is getting back to the your question before about buying new versus buying old. Yep. Well, that's where we could, you know, start talking about maybe buying something existing or, you know, is there a building that's coming to completion in the next month or two that maybe they could still get something new yep. um, without, you know, the, the uncertainty of getting approved financially in 18 months' time. Yep. And do you, do you often see sales fall over between the exchange and the settlement on the on the buyer's side? Um, no, it's 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 very very rare. Yeah, yeah. I I um, you know personally, I, I haven't haven't had that happen. Where I've had people that that their circumstances have changed, as we've been able to resell them for them. Yep. Um, and luckily enough, the market's been good, so we've resold them for, for more money for them. So, Great, yeah. Uh, that's worked out well for, for them, but, yep. you know, if, if the market uh, hadn't increased, then, then you know, it would have cost them money, you know. Yep. So, yeah. What about on the developer side of things that, you know, we had um, a lot of press around sunset clauses and, and issues with, with developers settling on, on property. Is that something that you've seen and are there any sort of traps for, for purchases when it comes to the developer side of the equation? Um, I think with the, the, the there was, there, I, I'm not sure, not sure how long ago it was in Sydney where developers let sunset clauses lapse and those sorts of things. Uh, my understanding and, and to all the listeners, obviously seek a lot of the, my comments here, you have to yep. seek solicitors and standard, standard disclaimer yeah yep. there's, there's one on the screen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah my understanding of the 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 conveyancing laws has, has changed now to to you know help protect from those sorts of things yep. happening we never saw that in newcastle um and, and haven't seen that in newcastle and yeah so look the things to look for in the kind i mean when i again when i meet with buyers there's three things i always bring their attention to i like to make sure that by the time they get to their solicitor's office, they're not hearing things in the contract that are going to be a surprise yeah. for them. Um, generally, there'll, there'll be something in the contract that says if 
the, the developer has to, uh, you know, for argument's sake, we're, we're here in, in August 2017, um, we might sell something off the plan today and the contract says that the developer has the right to pull out of the project for whatever reason by December 2017, for yep. example. So there might be a clause in there saying that they have the right to not do the project, yep. um, but there's a period of time on that date. Uh, the second thing is that there is a sunset clause in the in the date, which in the in the contract, I should say, uh, which does give the you know generally it's an overestimated time frame of, of how long the whole project would take. Yeah. So you know if it's anticipated, it might take you know eighteen months for it to build. You know, don't be surprised if the con sunset date is twenty four months or maybe a little bit longer yeah. down, down the track. And that's just so there's an actual end date to the contract, and the buyer's not tied up for an indefinite period of time yeah um, and, and they can't hold the deposit for 15 years right, on, a, yeah. on a three-story development that's exactly right yeah that's exactly right and, and as, as things approach completion the buyer will be given notice generally um, you know at the stage when all the, the plans have got to be registered at lands and titles office so um, that can generally be a four or six week process from from what I understand in most circumstances so when the plans get sent to lands and titles to be registered uh, if a buyer is notified at that point in time, as we approach completion, they'll at least have a bit of a heads up that okay, we've got you know thirty yep. days to get ready to, to, to buy this thing. So a bit of talk yep. to the solicitor and the bank and all those sorts of things. Um, the other thing I generally tell purchasers with off the plan um, is that with finishes and inclusions and those sorts of things, the developer does have a, a right to replace. Yep. some of those finishes throughout the, the apartment and the building. But it's like um, for like, really, isn't that, it? Yeah, the, it's the, the phrasing in most contracts is something like um, equal or, that it can be replaced with something of equal or better quality. Yep. Uh, and then generally speaking as well, there's a 5% tolerance in the size of, of your uh, lot. Yep. Because um, the architects and surveyors only get it so close on a, um, yep. On a drawing, yeah. so that there's a bit of a contingency in there that if it's a bit smaller, then that's okay. Yeah. If it's a lot smaller, uh, bigger than five percent, then the purchaser can, you know, yeah. walk away from the, the deal. So they're just a few things that um, you should be aware of when you're buying off the off the, off the plan. Yeah. Um, that will be in the contract that your solicitor would take you through. Yeah. You know? Now, what's happening in the investment side of things in, in Newcastle? Obviously, you've been around for for longer than a decade buying and selling property. Um, are, are units getting great capital growth compared to houses at the moment? Has that always been the case? Has it vice versa? What are you sort of seeing? And, and are there any particular people you've come across that ha- have been pretty savvy investors that you've seen put some good to- deals together? Yeah, yeah. So look, I, I think when we, I guess I, I sort of look back across um, uh, the way attitudes have sort of changed around sort of strata in Newcastle, for example, yeah. as opposed to um, specifically a house. I mean, the, the, the benefit of a strata um, dwelling or strata strata property is that, you know, you can get closer to areas that you otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to, yeah. to, to live in. So, you know, with that being said, the house and land or land will always appreciate, you know, at a rate that's... that's um, Quicker than, than strata, from what I've seen in, in you know, yep. um, lots of areas. But you know, there's always exceptions to the to, to the rule uh, yep. as well. It depends. That also, you know, with, with strata, there's there's just a, a bit of a less um, with a house. Obviously, you know, within council's regulations, you can really 
pick and choose and do whatever you want to that property where you know because yeah. it's, it's yours and you're free to, to do it with strata internally you can generally change whatever you like but you're kind of stuck with the way yeah. it's facing and and uh, all, all these these sorts of things so um, yeah I, I think when when we're sort of looking at you know capital growth you know if, if that's a, a big focus you know and you've got the budget to go for a house and land you're going to see you know some good capital growth yeah. Out of that, it might grow more rapidly than say your your unit may do it, but you buying a, a strata entitled unit can be a more affordable option to buy it in a central location to get better growth as opposed to a house out in the suburbs, yes. for example. Yeah. Know? So it comes down to location. I mean, that's the the catchphrase out of <laughs> yeah out of all of it. Yeah. That makes sense. And 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 in terms of of unit prices at the moment in in Newcastle, what are you sort of your average one and two bit two and three bedroom units going for in, in those sort of medium rise developments? Yeah, so look, the, the one bedroom apartments, um, you know, they've steadily shifted, you know, uh, 50 odd square metres with a balcony with, uh, you know, without a car space might be around 400,000 in Newcastle at the moment. Yeah. You add a car space and all of a sudden you're at sort of 450, 460. Um, two bedroom, Two bath, one car at say seventy to eighty square meters. You're sort of looking at five fifty to six hundred. Yeah. Uh, and then when you're sort of stepping into bigger, more owner occupied style two bedders with maybe an extra car space, you can certainly get sort of that seven fifty to nine hundred sort of a range. And yep. three bedders are generally north of, of that. You sort of are getting to a, you know, nine hundred to one point three. You yep. know, it depends how big they are. You know, one point five in some circumstances. Generally speaking, but you know, then it, then you're sort of weighing, looking into aspect, views, location, yep. position, all those sorts of yep. things. So. And for a three-bedroom house with a similar sort of proximity to the CBD, I know there's there's not a terrible amount of them in the in the CBD, but yeah. you, you're you're looking upwards of, of what two or three million dollars for for a three-bedder, you know, riding close to the city now. Yeah, look, if if um, I mean, look, there's lots of you know, um, you know, in and around Newcastle in particular, there's there's you know smaller cottages and, and smaller blocks of land and, and what have you. Uh, so you can get a bit of a range between one and a half to three million. If it's a knockdown and complete rebuild in some areas of, of Merriweather and the Junction and yep. and uh, the Hill and Newcastle, those sorts of areas, you know, you can certainly be expecting your sort of two to three million dollar price tags yep. on them. You know, uh, but it's. Um, but also too, you know, you, you've got some heritage property in Newcastle as well, which is certainly yeah. well received. And if it's uh, restored and, and looked after, it can, yeah, certainly be getting good money as well. And just one one final question about the market. Are you seeing a lot of buyers coming from, from Sydney or interstate or, or yeah. is it locally driven? Where, where are the buyers coming from in the apartment markets? Yeah, look, it's, it's uh, coming out of, coming from outside of Newcastle more than what I've ever seen. Right. And I guess to sort of refer back to what I was mentioning earlier about buildings, you know, prior to perhaps the university announcement um, were generally wholly and solely bought by local investors and local people yeah. uh, to, to live in. And now I would, would certainly suggest that um, the amount of um, investors coming from outside of Newcastle is you know, from me personally, in terms of what we have sold in our, our, our buildings, has, has probably doubled in the past 18 months. Wow. Yeah, the amount of investors buying in them, so. You're a busy man. 
Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> that's it's been good, but very good, good busy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's good news for for Newcastle and and developers and yeah. and just the gentrification of the city. I guess it's come a long way from from a from a BHP sort of um, you know mining cottage type type place where yeah. we're seeing a lot more sort of um, brew houses and wine bars and coffee shops. So call it the sort of Melbourneification yeah. of Newcastle. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, and everyone everyone notices that and and. Um, you know, people from out of town are certainly sort of spending a bit more time looking around, saying, you know, how much potential it's it's uh, it's got and what they see. And people from Sydney, I guess, in, in particular, are sort of because Sydney's so hot as as well. You know, they'll often come to Newcastle and invest. Or well, their intentions are to invest in, in buying some property up here so they can resell and have a bit more capital to get back into something in, in yep. Sydney. So younger people in Sydney are, are coming to Newcastle for that reason, for some capital growth. Yep. Or they're looking at a lifestyle yep. change. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks very much, Luke. I appreciate your time. How, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, look, they can reach me at our, our office. Uh, we're just in the, in the junction. Um, I don't know if you whack my details on the website. We, we, we can do that. So, so you're at uh, First National Newcastle City there? Yeah, we're at 36 Kemp Street in the junction. You're very Googleable, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, there might be some yeah, shots on there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to have to have a look now. Um, so uh, just, to, just to wind things up, is if there's one sort of piece of advice you can give, especially to, to property investors with your experience in real estate and project marketing, what, what would that be? Um, I probably so the amount of people that I sit and talk with is is just be kind of be be clear on the direction you're sort of heading in with it. Whether it's you want to buy one property or you want to buy a few properties, uh, it, it certainly helps you make a decision on on taking that first step. So you know it, it's it's just. Um, because some people have busy lifestyles, they want a bit of a set and forget sort of a, a, yep. an approach. So buying an old rundown house is probably not going to be the way to go. It's yep. where off the plan can certainly sit quite quite well for you. So if you if you kind of you know clear on on what you want your property to do for you, whether it's one or five properties, then, then it helps making the decisions in between uh, a yep. lot easier. And then you know. A, 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 the probably next bit is um, just do something rather than nothing as well. I think that's, I think that's very good advice. <laughs> Cheers, Luke. Thanks very much for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me, Mike.